Welcome to the Get Through America podcast. We sit down with amazing people who do life in our community and who are from our community because we believe every story should be told. I'm your host, Hetty Coleman. Today, I am sitting down with Siobhan Jackson Young. Before we jump into this conversation with Siobhan, would you please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. It would mean the world to us. This episode is brought to you by Trilogy. Trilogy is an independent employee benefits consulting firm. They specialize in custom benefit solutions for employers and do not believe that one size fits all. Uh, their passion is helping employers create benefit packages that attract and retain top talent in their field. Education is the key to employers and employees understanding and getting the most out of their employee benefits. Check out Trilogy-Alliance.com. Maggie and her team over at Trilogy are doing amazing, amazing work. Siobhan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. No, thank you for being a part of it. I'm excited to hear uh, your story and just kind of hear your experience and Get the America, you're a little bit younger than me. What year, what year did you graduate? 99. 99. Yeah, you're a few years younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, is 19, why is the class of 99 the best class? Uh, well, okay, we partied like it was 1999. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's not fair. That is not fair. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I... I think our class was just really inclusive. Like we were a group that hung out with everybody, accepted everybody. We weren't just like a, you know, a, just a 99 crew. Like you could only be, you know, in our class to hang. I really felt like we made friendships and, you know, hung out with everybody, included everybody and uh, just a great group of people. And, you know, we, a lot of us are still connected. Okay. Um, still have that close bond. And even though we may not see each other all of the time, we definitely stay connected, you know, like in our group chats and things like that. So uh, just a great group of people. That's good. So whenever y'all see each other, it's like, we're still like, we never left each other. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah. That's right. That And that's the cool <laughs> thing. Do you think uh, that happens because we grew up in a smaller town or do you think that's all, all schools or, in your experience as an educator, being around in different places, do you feel like it's the same kind of vibe? Um, not so much. I've been in some larger districts and I've been in smaller districts. And I think the benefit of those smaller communities and smaller districts like Guthrie is that, you know, kids do get to grow up in that tight knit community. And um, a lot of times you're with family. So I was so blessed to have lots of cousins. They were you know, a little bit older than me, but you know, Teresa Bufford and Terry Bennett and you know, that crew, we all hung together and were very close. Um, and so that was just a joy to get to hang out with your family. But even the people that really weren't your family, like I can't count the number of people that were play cousins, you know, Shyla yeah. and Crystal Kelso. I mean, we weren't really family, but even my own kids call us all cousins just because that's how, you know, how we grew up. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. And I don't think, uh, and I don't know if I have this question later or not, but what I've learned too is some for some people that I've talked to that have moved out of Guthrie, like homecoming is not a thing in different places, like the way that yeah, we do yeah. it in Guthrie. Yeah, and that is definitely true. I've noticed that in different districts, and we'll have homecoming. Like we have a homecoming here in Russellville, but it is not on the level, uh, you know, of Guthrie's homecoming. And Guthrie sets the bar high for sure. So I go to 
homecoming's in other districts and I'm kind of looking like this is homecoming. <laughs> this, this isn't it. I need y'all to come to my hometown and see how we do it in Guthrie for homecoming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my siblings grew up in Florida and I don't even like when we're home, when we're all together in Florida, I don't even hear them talk about like going to a homecoming or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah. or even yeah. thinking about going back to a high school game. Like if you're in town, typically most people are like, I'm gonna go to a game if there's one going. Yeah, like people plan trips home around homecoming. Like yeah, you know, like to schedule off for homecoming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what do you? Uh, oh, you just recently what? A couple of years you had your twentieth, right? Oh yes, I did. Was it your twentieth? Yes. How did that happen? <laughs> hey, how did that happen? I'm having my thirtieth like, this year. You said what? <laughs> you said what? I said I'm having my thirtieth this year, so. Oh wow, wow, yeah, time flies by, doesn't it? It does. It flies by. He's like, where did the time go? Where did uh, it go? Talk, talking about just time flying, like when you were a youngster running the streets of Guthrie, America, what was it like for you? Um, you know, I I laugh with my kids because even talking back, you know, to when we were younger, like. Uh, upper elementary and things like I tell my kids all the time how we could just ride our bikes all day long all over town like we would leave mid-morning and we might not come back until you know what I mean like it was almost dark and it was just such a safe place for you to be able to do that and and I miss that I miss being in a community where you know it was safe enough just for you to let your kids go out and ride bikes all day be at the park all day and do whatever because I'm like now I wouldn't dare let my kids just be out riding bikes all over the community um but you know it's, it's just a little bit different times have changed and we can't do that but you know I just my younger years my younger memories I just remember like I said hanging out with my cousins um if we weren't out on bikes um we were either at you know our house the young's house always had a ton of people over and uh, so many memories of uh, Shannon and me and Terry swimming all day long. We had a swimming pool in our backyard. So, uh, so many memories of that. And then as I got into high school, we were so hooked up with sports and, you know, activities that that kind of, that really took over a lot of, a lot of our time, which was good. But um, that was kind of, kind of the life you were in sports and activities and with close friends and family when you weren't doing that. Yeah. Now I, so when I was in high school, y'all had a swimming pool. Now, was this the same pool from, from when we were in school? Did y'all did y'all keep getting new? Because it was above ground, right? Yeah, it was above ground. I, I, was, I think Gladys and Willie upgraded because we had <laughs> probably from the time that you uh, saw the pool, we had a new one since then. So we had like two or three different pools, I think, over the years. Yeah, but you know, I know we it, was, it was a real high. deal. It was a real oh, deal yeah. to go to the Young's house oh, and swim. Oh, yeah. The backyard stayed lit. <laughs> <laughs> now, who was, what, what, I'm, I'm assuming both of them, you know, your mom and dad, but did one take after the other as far as always having gatherings or something like that? Or did they just both have love gatherings? I just think they both just have that, had that social spirit and just love to entertain. They, you know, love to cook. Of course, my dad was always on the grill. Mom loves to stay in the kitchen. And I think that was just something that they both really 
enjoy yeah. doing. And of course, my mom has carried that tradition on. She still loves to have people over and entertain. And there's even been a few times she's been down to Russellville, and I'm like, uh, are we having a get together? <laughs> I don't have get-togethers when you're not here. <laughs> but when she comes to town, like, I, I've got friends over. We're having yeah. dinners. And so she brings the fun for sure. <laughs> so are you are you saying that uh, you did not adopt that that spirit of, of gathering big crowds? Is that what you're telling us? Um, I love to hang in the big crowds. I don't necessarily like to host the big crowds. I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, that was not passed on to me. That is work. Man, it is. I like so much showing work. up, hanging out, and you know, I can help bust some suds in the kitchen and clean it up, and and then I'm out. But yeah, yeah, no, I don't really like to to host the gatherings. <laughs> Be done with it. Now, yeah. uh, going going to school in Guthrie, you you weren't there when they started uh, neighborhood school, so you probably hit every mm -hmm. school, right? You hit all all uh, the schools. Well, I missed. Fogarty because I was the first fourth grade class to go to Gist. Oh. So I never went to Fogarty and I was super excited about the new school, but I was a little sad I missed Fogarty because that was like the school that had the stay upstairs and downstairs. Yes. I wanted to go to Fogarty, but I missed that. So. <laughs> wow, you missed out on Fogarty. Yes. So, well, you really yes. missed out on special treat. <laughs> but you got yes. the new school. Which is super cool. I did get the new school. So, you know, I miss Favor. That was another one that, like, everybody oh. talked about Favor. And I wanted to go to Favor. But since I was at Guest, that was fourth, fifth, and sixth. So I miss Favor as well. Okay. So you miss Fogarty and Favor. But within, yeah. within the schools that you went to, which one has the fondest memory to you? Out of elementaries or just all elementary? Of, you can do all of them. Hmm. Let's see. I would say probably the high school. I mean, you know, that's where, um, you know, really into sports and uh, was a part of some awesome teams, earned scholarship, athletic scholarship, uh, based on some things that I did um, athletically and academic scholarships. Um, I also got to go to school one year with my cousins and my brother and my freshman year. So, that was awesome. So I'd say probably my fondest memories were high school. Okay. Now, which sports did you play? I ran cross country and track. Um, okay. I played basketball and I cheered. And then I actually went on a cross country and track scholarship to Oklahoma State. And then two years in, um, I was kind of worn out with running because when you start doing that at the college level, that's a little bit different. You yeah, like I was looking at my watch and my calendar, like I'm averaging 70, 80 miles a week running. Like I don't drive 70, 80 miles a week, so that's too much. But anyhow, like second year, after my sophomore year, I decided I just was really ready for a break with running. And um, Shannon, my brother, talked me into trying out for the cheerleading squad. And I was like, all right, I've been a few years out of tumbling and all of that, but I'll give it a go again. So I worked out and started stunting and tumbling again my junior year and tried out the spring of my junior year and made it. So I cheered at Oklahoma State my senior year. Oh, wow. You just athlete. You just all around athlete. Have they called you to be in the Hall of Fame yet down here in Guthrie, America? <laughs> no, not yet. And, you know, like I, I'm feeling some kind of way about that because now both of my brothers are in there and we still have a running 
uh, you know, we got a competition going on. And so I'm, wow. I usually win these competitions and, and they're both in there and I'm not. So I don't know. Well, we got to fix that. We got to call Chris <laughs> Evans or whoever, somebody that, that's participating in that out in the world. Now, did you all stay in track football and cheer? I actually did not. And crazy stories, like I missed winning the 800 meters my senior year by less than tenth of a second. Tenth of a second. So that was that was a heartbreaker. Um, and then my senior year in cross country, um, I was 11. I think the top 10 all state, and I was 11 on that okay. race. So always like right there, super close. Gotcha. Now, which one did you love the most? Cheering, basketball, or track? Um, I love basketball the most, for sure. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Which position yeah. did you play? Uh, guard, sometimes point guard, and then sometimes like the two or three guard. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Any favorite memories from your basketball days? Was there Was there a game like everybody on the team would remember if you brought it up right now? This is putting uh, you on the spot. I didn't prepare you for that. That's me on the spot. I don't know if I have – I couldn't even tell you which game it was. I want to say we were playing Chickasha. And it was, like, my favorite game. I hit 16 points that game, and I just remember being, like, I was so hyped. And, you know, the coaches would always stand, like, right there on the wall when you yeah. get ready to run out to the locker room. You have coaches standing there. So I remember my dad was standing there, uh, kind of leaned against those mats, and I thought, Oh, yeah, you know, I scored 16, so I'm running by, and I look at him, and I'm like, 16 points? And he was like, yeah, and you missed that layup in the first quarter. <laughs> Thank you for humbling me. Thank you. Um, so <laughs> that was the game I remembered the most, but he brought me right on down. Uh, the 16 <laughs> don't matter when you're missing layups. So. <laughs> yeah, oh, my goodness. Talking about your dad and mom, like, what was it like growing up in the school district where they're kind of like legends, like your dad um, and mom are both, yeah. you know, everybody knows them, everybody loves them. Yeah, your dad's a coaching legend, you know. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, you know, and I'll be honest, there were times when I was um, young that I didn't always understand um, you know, how they open their doors all the time to everybody. Like sometimes there was a part of me that was kind of selfish. Like, why do we always have to cheer? Why does somebody always have to be over here? Um, but I think that is the thing that like, I try to emulate the most in my leadership today. That's something that um, I'm really passionate about is making sure that I'm inclusive and I'm giving kids what they need. And I didn't understand that when I was younger, but I definitely see the big, you know, the big picture now and I see what they were doing then from from an early age like when i remember when kendall was in school like you know our doors were always open to everybody whoever needed something whoever needed food you know they always had a place at our house and um, then that carried on through when shannon and i were coming through and in school and um but it was awesome you know it was there was good and the good and bad mostly good the bad times are when you know you did something at school and and they got that phone call before you even got home somebody was gonna <laughs> Let them know they had uh, our parents on speed dial. Not that they ever had to call. You know, they didn't have to call uh -huh. often. But on those couple of occasions when you thought you were going to get away with something, <laughs> it didn't happen. They it knew. Did not they knew early. <laughs> they knew everything. Um, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I know you just said that you, you kind of emulate this, this approach to serving people, no matter who they were, especially as educators. Mm -hmm. 
You just, if you're a real educator, that's just going to happen, right? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope so too. But in that, like watching them be educators, things like that, when did you know that you were going to be an educator? So uh, I think I knew very early that I wanted to be an educator, but I fought that because I was like, y'all don't make any money. I don't want to be a teacher. <laughs> I don't want to be a teacher. I want to make money. But um, it was just something that I was always drawn to. Um, I've been around such good people, had such great teachers and coaches, and I just loved how they were able to impact people in a positive way. And so I think from a very early age, probably um, younger than junior high, but I knew for sure by the time I was in junior high that I for sure wanted to be a teacher and a coach. And uh, yeah, that's what I did. So I, when I went to school, I didn't have to think about what my major was going to be for a couple of years. I, you know, I began working towards my major as soon as I, as soon as I started. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Oh, wow. Well, that's good because a lot of students don't know exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I knew. Yeah. So you graduated from OSU. Mm-hmm. Go Pokes. You still a diehard Pokes fan? Oh, yeah. Bleed orange. Yes. And it's hard for me because I've not converted to the Razorbacks. And so people around here have a hard time with that. Oh. They go to call in the hogs. I mean, you know, they're diehard down here. So they go to call in the hogs and I'm just kind of looking. <laughs> They're like, it's been nine years. You can call the hogs. And I'm like, I, I don't think that I can. I really don't. <laughs> so you've been there nine years. How, how often do you come home? We come home all the time. I mean, the last two weekends, actually, I was I was home. Um, it's just a quick drive, about four hours. So it's something that we can we can hop in the car on a Friday evening after school or get up early Saturday morning and come down and spend the day or a couple days and come home. So it's not a bad drive and we like it to just get away and see family, hang out with family and yeah, we come home all the time. Now, what is one thing that kind of stands out to you when you come home? Is there, is there, is there a place that, that wasn't here when you left that you, uh, that you frequent or anything that you hear about? Like, well, we didn't have that. Well, I am shocked that Guthrie has a Starbucks now. Like when mom, I mean, that was big time. Mom called me like, we are getting a Starbucks in Guthrie. Uh, But I will tell you a place that my kids, we have to go every time we come. And if it's going to be closed when we come, my mom gets it in advance so that the kids have it. And that is Missy's Donuts. Oh, wow. We do not miss Missy's when we come to Guthrie. (laughs) What is their jam? I mean, just the regular glazed donuts, nothing even special, but they think that there's something magic about those donuts. When my mom comes to Russellville, she makes a stop through Missy's and brings the kids donuts every time. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, a lot of people, they're not the only ones. There's a lot of people who love uh, Missy's. You know, yeah. they, they definitely have some people hooked. I'm one of those people. So oh, it just yeah, so happens so I live right here in Guthrie, so I don't have to uh, travel or anything like that. Uh, thinking about your kids loving Missy's, like what was what was the store or something when you were younger that you really like connected to? Um, so the it used to be a Conoco right by the temple. You remember that Conoco? And Miss Lolly worked there, and we would ride our bikes to that Conoco and to F and H. But I really remember um, Conoco. We'd ride our bikes there. Miss Lolly would let us fill our bags, the little brown bags up with five cent candy. And yeah, that was definitely our jam. 
We'd be searching couch cushions for change so we could go get Laffy Taffy's and Jolly Ranchers. Yeah. No, I I remember that story. So I lived across the street from the temple for a little while when I got in high school. Okay. okay. And so I always tell everybody, like, well, my kids, we live by the temple now, actually. And so I always tell my kids, like, the temple is where we hung out at. So people get their car washed, dry it off at the temple, and the next thing you know, it's hundreds of people hanging out at the temple. You don't have to go anywhere. Langston people coming, people from the city would all come and hang out at uh, at the temple. I remember that. So that was like when Kendall was in school. I remember everybody hung out at the temple. We weren't really at the temple anymore when, when I was in school, but I do remember it was packed at the temple. Yeah, Terry was uh, Terry was on the podcast, and he and I were talking about the temple. And I guess maybe right when he was a senior or something like that, mm-hmm. when it started kind of phasing out. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, I I'm telling my kids now, like, invite ten of your friends, just go hang out across the street and just yeah, re- <laughs> recreate that for me, bring it back. Yeah. But the funny thing is, it was like young people and old people, like everybody was was just yeah. hanging out. Nah, we don't. We don't do that today. So you had Conoco. Yeah. You you remember a, F and H? Oh yeah, we go get all the the lunch meat and the cold cuts at F and H, and that little back section in the yes in the back. Yes, I remember F and H. I wish F and H was still here. Yes, then I could just awesome. walk around the corner. Yeah, that's like an event center or something now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's called the Drexel Center. And so okay. the, a lot of people help throw uh, parties there. There's a school that meets there during the, the week or, 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 or something like that. And so, uh, like, yeah, so a homecoming parties will be at the Drexel Center. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. so that's cool. Okay, so let's kind of go back to the schools. So you, you mentioned um, the high school being your jam. Who was uh, some teachers that made a difference in your life that you still remember today? I have a list of people who, you know, really impacted me and who I remember. Of course, my parents, we talked about them. I had um, my junior high English teacher. She's really um, the teacher that inspired me to be an English teacher. And that was Miss Grace Shipley. Um, She is amazing. And I still stay connected to her on Facebook. But she was just an amazing teacher and really knew how to engage us and, and make learning fun. Of course, I had in junior high Coach Bennett. Coach Ritter, uh, they were awesome. And I had Chapel Applehead for health. I don't know how much I learned in health, but I can tell you we always had fun with Coach Chapel. <laughs> um, so we, we called at Evan Santa Fe, we called her C-Dub affectionately, but Carla Wilson was my math teacher and I loved her. Um, Mr. Crooks, oh gosh, Mr. Crooks was like my favorite math teacher because I struggled in math. And he was like my sophomore, he was my sophomore uh, teacher. I guess that was algebra one. And the way he taught it, it just finally connected. I, you know, I connected to it and started to understand it and uh, loved him. And then um, my senior year, I had Mr. Stewart and he taught this class called Problems of Democracy. I think he actually like wrote a proposal to teach this elective class or something, but a really cool concept and we learned a lot about um just government and democracy but he took a different angle than just like our traditional government class and i remember on a field trip we uh i think it was McAllister. we traveled to McAllister and, and went on a field trip to like a prison there and um I, I remember having those conversations like with those inmates and them just telling us their story and you know kind of how they got there um 
And then of course, Miss Allen, we love Miss Allen. I actually didn't have Miss Allen as a teacher, but she was our Heritage Club sponsor. So I spent, you know, four years getting to work with Miss Allen a lot and she was amazing. And um, Coach Wagowski and Coach Tarter, of course, I spent hours upon hours with them in cross country and track and um, just just awesome. And I have so many fond memories of them. And was I was able to come back years later and work with Coach Wagowski as a colleague because he was the athletic director at Edmond Santa Fe, uh, where I taught English. So, uh, but yeah, those are, I mean, of course, the list could go on and on, but those were just some people that I really remember having an impact on me. Wow. Yeah. So Coach Blagowski, uh, did you, did you coach any or he was just a colleague? Um, no, I did. I didn't coach at Santa Fe, but I did coach cheerleading and track in Guthrie. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, I did that. And then I coached at Santa Fe. I coached cheerleading. So. Now, while we're still talking about education, uh, all these teachers and people have made a great impact on you in the classroom. I guess some of those people, yeah, all, everyone that you mentioned was uh, in the classroom, including mm -hmm. the coaches, right? Right, but, right. And then you, you graduate, you become a teacher. At some point, you become an administrator. Right. I, what? What happened? Like, what, what yeah, brought yeah. that on? Yeah, so I knew, I think I knew early on, even when I was teaching, I knew I wanted to eventually uh, move into leadership. But I, and I got my master's degree in 2009, but I still taught for a little while after, um, after I had my admin license because I just wasn't ready to leave the classroom. But it was a good time for me at, to go back to school at that time. You know, I wasn't married, didn't have kids. And so the timing was right. And I just thought, you know, when, when I'm ready, when I get that itch to move into leadership, um, I'll know. And when we moved over to Arkansas, some opportunities presented themselves and I was in a new spot. So I was like, okay, you know, I might try it and uh, made that move over. And, and I have loved every minute of it. I think being um, a cheerleading coach at Edmond Santa Fe really gave me the most experience I needed to move into leadership because you have to deal with um, just a lot of things, a lot of parents, um, I was really dealing with a different demographic of affluent parents and just having to be on my A game with, um, communication and my schedules and, uh, working closely with the administrators at Santa Fe. I had some great mentors, um, at Edmond Santa Fe and, uh, you know, I, I liked what they were doing and how they were supporting the scholars at school and how they supported teachers and staff and, um, you know, we just had a great relationship. So we would work closely together. So I was able to really kind of do some leadership things before I was actually in an official leadership role. And so when the time came, I was felt like I was ready to, to make a difference. And that's what I'm doing now. Making that's cool. And how long have you been an administrator now in leadership? So let's see, this is my, let's see, I started in 2014. 2014 was my first year as an assistant principal. Um, and I was an assistant principal for like three years and two months. And then I came over to an elementary school um, in September uh, of 2017. So this is what my sixth year at, at a, as a head principal. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I saw online or something. Did you win some big award or what? Yes, what was that award? Tell us about that. Yeah, you might see my bell in the background there on my cabinet. I, so, yes. Um, that is 
uh, I won the Terrell H. Bell Award. And so our school earned a national blue ribbon, which is a pretty big deal. Um, and we got that in 2020. And so there was like maybe 300 schools nationally that were uh, recognized as a blue ribbon school. And then out of that cohort of blue ribbon schools, they named 10 principals from the from that blue ribbon cohort. They named 10 principals like this Carol H. Bell award winner. And I was blessed to to earn that award. So pretty big deal out of 10 in the nation. So it's awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. So yeah. what what were the things that you think like an overview of the things based on your leadership that allow for you and your team to get to this place to where you got this award? Well, we um, we made some some very quick changes uh, in our building in terms of academic growth. Uh, we what we won the National Blue Ribbon for earned the National Blue Ribbon was under the category of achievement gap closing school. So we are a high poverty school or like typically 91% free and reduced lunch. And um, in 2017, when I came over that September, um, we had a very toxic culture. Our letter grade from the state, and I think schools there get letter grades. Yeah. Um, so we had a D at the time. And um, I definitely saw that as a challenge and wanted to come help uh, boost the morale and uh, really build up our academic stamina, if you will. And so uh, we improved each year. So 2017, we had the D. That following year, we had a C. The following year, we had a B. So we had gone up two letter grades very quickly. And then in 2020, we earned a national blue ribbon. So, um, I mean, the growth was just there. I mean, it was, the data showed it. It wasn't just like, you know what I mean? Like we were just wordplay and saying we were making a difference. We truly were from the inside out. And we were building relationships, first of all, with our students. Um, trying to get rid of whatever toxic culture was in the building, whether it was coming from the adults, whether it was coming from kids, we removed that. We started working on building relationships with the kids, building relationships with our families, creating community partnerships. That was a huge part um, of our growth is getting, you know, partnering with the community and, and bringing them into the school. Um, and as we worked on those relationships, of course, that academic data took care of itself. You know what I mean? Like they, they say, you know, kids aren't going to learn from people they don't like. Mm -hmm. So we had to make sure that we were making engage or learning engaging and we were making it fun. And um, so the teachers were working on that in the classroom and I was working on the adult side of things. So I needed them to make learning fun for kids. But before they could do that, I had to bring the fun back to teaching for them. You know what I'm saying? Because if they're coming in miserable every day, how can I expect them to inspire kids? Mm -hmm. So I worked really, really hard that first year to just build culture and build community and make sure that we had collaborative practices in place. And I mean, it just happened very quickly. And thank goodness I had a team of people that were ready for change. And so as I implemented, they just kind of jumped on board and, and they followed along and kind of followed my lead. And um, we just, we did the thing and we made it happen. And uh, it's just a great place. Like you literally feel it when you walk in our building, you can feel the culture and you can feel that, you know, we're, we work hard, but we play hard too. We want to have fun, but I don't think learning has to be stiff. It doesn't have to be a sit and get, it doesn't have to be boring. Like we need to make it 
fun so that kids want to be here. And so that's what yeah. we work on every day is just building that community. That's so good. That's so good. Now, I, we're going to have to have you on the We Love Educators podcast so we can go no. a little bit more in depth in what that looks like. But I have to ask, like, what is one of the keys to building relationships with adults? You talked about I, you had to work on the adult side of that thing in order for them to go into the classroom and feel good about themselves. What is like somebody like if somebody's listening? What's a practical thing like you, you would say, like, start here as far as building relationship with adults? Yeah, as simple as this seems, I think people want to know the why, right? So like sometimes when we think about school transformation or it may not even be a school, just any type of transformation, sometimes leaders, managers just want to come in, gung-ho, start making changes, but you leave people behind because they don't know the why behind what you're doing or where you're going. Um, And so I think it was really making sure that everybody saw where we were, what's our current reality, right? And then how do we get out of this place? Because nobody wanted to have a toxic culture. You know what I mean? Like no one wanted to come to school and be miserable, but that was our current reality. So we had to address that head on first and then look at like, where do we want to be? Let's set some goals. Well, you know, where do we want to be a few months from now, a year from now? And if that's where we want to be, what are we willing to commit to? Because it's easy to just say, well, we want to have this great school or we want to do this and we want to do that. Okay, but that takes everybody doing something. Everybody's got to pull their own weight to make that happen because, you know, as the principal, I can't do that by myself. Two teachers can't do that by themselves. And so um, one of the the biggest things I would say is collaboration. Um, So um, we collaborate often and uh, make sure that everybody has voice and choice in what we do around the school and um, it's not a top, I don't believe in top-down leadership. There's rarely any time that I just make decisions on my own. <clears throat> of course, there's, you know, there's, there's some things when it comes to safety and there are some decisions that I just have to make because those decisions need to be made. But if there's opportunities for us to collaborate together and, and let the teachers who I truly believe are the experts in the building, if I can let them have a voice in what we're doing and have choice in what we're doing, we're always going to go, go that route. Collaboration, like we use the PLC framework, which is professional learning communities. And so everything we do is collaborative. Like I do not believe in top-down leadership. Um, I want our teachers, I believe they are the experts in the building. And so I want them to have voice and choice in everything that we do. And I think that makes a big difference. You know, people are less likely to tear down a fence that they help build. So if you can include people um, in what you're doing and make sure they have a voice in what they're doing um, on a daily basis, I think you're you're more apt to get people um, to be on board for change. And then also getting teachers to work together. Sometimes teaching can be um, an isolated profession. People want it's It's so personal and people want to go in their rooms and shut the door and kind of do their own thing, leave me alone. It's kind of the old school way of thinking. And uh, we're the exact opposite of that. Like we work in collaborative teams. Um, Teachers work very closely together. And so you're sharing best practices and you have a, you know, you have a way to help each other. So if I have a difficult student in my classroom, I'm not stuck all year trying to figure out how to help that kid by myself. We believe at Crawford that, you know, even though they're in my, they're on my roster, they're not just my kid. You know, every kid in this building 
is my kid. Every, even though you're a third grade teacher, every kindergarten student in this building is your kid. And we all take ownership for helping every child be successful, whatever it takes. That's really good. That's really good. I, I uh, recently had on my podcast uh, an assistant principal. His name is Taylor Upchurch. And uh, he was talking, to, well, I coined it hallway leadership, meaning the uh, importance yeah. of just being out in the hallways, connecting. And he went yeah. from teaching, from being a teacher to leadership. And he said, I still carry that same mindset over. Like, it's important to be in the mm-hmm. hallways when your kids are coming in. You greet them at the door. And he said, the same as the principal. Now mm-hmm. I'm in the hallways building a relationship with the teachers, you know, connecting with them yeah. and, and coaching, like that in-game coaching type of approach. And so, so it's so cool mm-hmm. to hear you talk about Absolutely. the collaboration. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So now that we know that you're a rock star, educated, and all this good stuff, you've changed the dynamics of the school, the culture. What is it going to take to get you back home, huh? What are we going? <laughs> that was <good. laughs> We got to have. We got one of the best in the nation, not in our district. What in the world? No. I, oh goodness. Do you ever think about coming know. back? I'm just asking. Like, do you ever think about it? <laughs> I do. I do because you know you get to missing family. I don't have family here, and we're close enough to make the trip home. Yeah. But still, you know, you miss uh, being around family, and um, there definitely are times where I think about um, coming back home yeah. and. You know, being able to do the same thing in your own community. Um, right now, I'm just kind of rooting and cheering from afar. Thanks to Chris Evans, I can stay connected to all the Guthrie team. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that's going on. So I do stay connected to, you know, the athletic programs and what's going on academically. And um, I have not, I do not know your current superintendent, but I have um, been reading lots of good things that he's doing in the district and, um, you know, just very proud of what I'm what I see and what I read. And of course, I'm super proud, a little plug here for my cousin, Terry Bennett, who just got uh, the head baseball job. Yeah. And so super proud of him and um, proud of Guthrie for making that decision. And uh, yeah, it's been great. So did you come, did you come down for the party? I'm excited about everything that's happening. Yeah. Did you come down for the party? Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course, I made. I was so wanting to come, but I uh, was not able to make it. But I'm excited for yeah. him. And we got in a little late because we started school that following Monday. So I told him, I said, I gotta get, some, I gotta make sure school is set up and ready to go for Monday. But I will, I'll be there. So we definitely made that trip. We wouldn't have missed that. That's so, yeah, so cool, so cool. Um, well, see, so Dr. Simpson is the superintendent. He and, and then Doug Ogle was the assistant the superintendent, and they're both, okay. they're both Pope's. They both graduated. Oh. Yeah, they both graduated from from OSU. So, so so good. So when you hear, no, first let me ask you this: Whenever you're describing Guthrie to somebody that hasn't been there, what do you say to people? Like when they ask you where you're from? Um, I usually say small town, very close knit community, family. Um, if you meet people it's going to be like they've known you forever and some of my friends that have come down to Guthrie from Arkansas you know from Russellville have said the same thing it's not it's like oh it's like they've known me forever because that's just you know that's how yeah. we are just a very 
friendly group of people and um, yeah, that's family. That's how I describe that's it. That's good. One of the things, and you may have seen this in some of the signs in the windows, but we have these Choose Guthrie signs. When you hear, when you hear Choose Guthrie, what does that mean to you? Um, I think that just means, to me, it makes me think about just being proud of my hometown. I have a Choose Guthrie shirt. There was a boutique yeah. that uh, my kids and I went to in, in town and um, got one of those. I can't think of the name of boutique it. Boutique 206. The boutique there in town. Yes. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, but yeah, it just makes me think of, you know, pride for your community and your hometown. And, and, um, I love that because even though I'm not in Guthrie, I can go buy my choose Guthrie shirt yeah. and I can, you know, I can sport that and I can rock that. And, uh, but yeah, it just makes me, that's what choose Guthrie means to me is just being able to choose our people, yeah. you know, local and, um, giving back to our community and, uh, you know, not having to go far when you got it right there in your own community. That's good. That's good. Siobhan, thank you so much for taking time to do this. Absolutely. We are so proud of you here in Guthrie America to, to see you represent and doing well means the, the world to us. You know, sometimes we want everybody here, but it's also good to help people out in the world doing great things so we can we can yeah. watch from afar and be proud. So, yeah. and I know yeah, your, your mom is, and of course your dad would be as well. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And your siblings, Absolutely. your brothers. So yes. any, any last words before we, we close down? Um, I am just so proud and excited to see the things that are happening in Guthrie. I love um, like seeing your post and I love seeing the pictures when you guys are going in. I think the last thing I saw you were going in and greeting teachers. Maybe oh. it was either their in-service week or professional development. Convocation. Week. Yeah, that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, uh -huh. so I, I just love being able to keep keep up. I'm glad there's avenues for people that don't live in Guthrie to see what's going on in the community. And, you know, I think you're doing great things and just excited to see, you know, what's to come in Guthrie, America. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you again. And uh, th ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for hitting the play button to uh, tune in to another episode of the Guthrie America podcast. And uh, will your story be next? Thank you, Siobhan. Mm -hmm.